This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So we're back for part two of the Glowing in Tech podcast. And now Dr. Anne-Marie is going to tell us about her book in her Tech Topic in 10. Over to you. I am. And I'm kind of sad because I was going to do AI in the future of work, but technically it's still in the book. Yes. Um, So this is She's in Control. It came out on the 8th of September and has been doing really well ever since. Um, It's a practical guide for women to take back tech. Like that's the subheading. That's it in, in a nutshell. We, you know, technology originally was seen as clerical. So in the same way you see kind of secretarial work, exactly like, you know, when you see them in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and they're there like doing the telephone exchange and plugging it all in, like that's tech, right? Or when you see it in Hidden Figures and they're there doing punch cards and all the rest of that kind of stuff or doing the actual computing, you know, before we had computers, we had mm-hmm. computers that were mm-hmm. human beings um, and it was seen as incredibly clerical um, and it has changed and it has morphed over the decades. And so now it's not seen as something that is something that women do. It's not part of our social norm. So this book is my rallying cry. This is my guide. This is my get started for any woman who is afraid of technology, who doesn't think it's for them, who thinks that they're an arts person, technology has got nothing to do with them, who is scared of always breaking the tech that they have around them in their life. Any woman who doesn't want to be at the mercy of technology that's not being built for them or by them. And any woman pretty much that's alive in the 21st century or anyone that knows any of the women above. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So what was it that inspired the book? Like at what point did you decide this needs to be what I do now? There's a short answer and there's a long answer. I mean, the short answer is I run Stamets and we stop at 25 Mm -hmm. and it's girls and it's non-binary young people. And everyone's always like, oh, I wish I could. I wish I could. Oh, this is great if I was younger. Or have you ever thought of doing grandmas in? And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so this is my answer. That's the short answer. Is that this is my answer for anyone over 25? Where I'm like, okay, I'm not. I, there's only 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, and the kids are great. So read a book. Yeah, yeah read the book. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, me yeah. in a book form. I think the longer answer is that. I mean, you guys are what you folks are working in technology, right? Like, there's so much that's going on there. As a technologist, you can't be proud of our legacy and of what's going on at the moment. We can't be proud of the fact that if a lot of the things that we see in the industry now go, go unchecked, we're going to end up in a Black Mirror, Terminator 2 type <laughs> scenario, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, as much as I'm working with the next generation and doing all I can to ensure that they've got a really positive formative experience like I did to ensure that they can thrive when they come into the industry. I mean, there is also something about like there's lots that can be done. It's not too late for us to change the fortunes of technology and technology industry, but also of the world by having different types of people engaging with tech. So, you know, I'd love to see it that, you know, not everyone's an immigration lawyer, but a lot of people have an opinion on immigration. How great would it be if we get to that point in technology where you don't have to have done the computer science, you don't have to have been on the coding course, you don't have to you know, love databases to be able to say, I don't know, an algorithm that decides grades for people based on the statistics of the people that sat in the seat the year before them. You know, I, I don't need to know the algorithm to know that that doesn't sound yeah. right. So that's what it's about. And it's now the, the sooner, the better that we have people 
just taking this seriously and not leaving it. It's too important to leave to the men, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think about the future of work then? Like really oh, should we do that topic? To... Yeah, yeah, so chapter 13 is on the future of work. Um, and I think for me, so I, like I said, I was classically trained, I like to say, in computer science. Um, for us, it was called intelligent systems, I think, when I was studying. Um, and then now it's become AI, machine learning, all these other different um, newfangled things. We also had something, we also it used to be called business intelligence, and that's now like big data. So they have all these yeah, things yeah, that go in cycles and big. everyone rebrands and the rest of that. I mean, there was no Bitcoin or blockchain before, but anyway. Um, so where... I become obsessed with the future because I get to work with five-year-olds. So Stemets is five up to 25. I get to meet a lot of cool kids, right? And it's really interesting because we're trying to get them to see technology as a viable option, get, trying to get them to understand STEM, science, technology, engineering, maths, but also STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and maths, and see that it's something that they can do, something that is within their realm, something that they can enjoy, something that they can get creative with, something that they can solve problems with. And it's a really interesting thing to kind of consider. Like if you're sat with a five-year-old today and you're trying to encourage them to join an industry, it's that by the time that they join, it'll be at minimum 13 years before they then get into it, right? And we know technology moves so fast. So it's like, I'm not preparing them today for what's happening in 13 years, or am I preparing them today for what's happening in 13 years? So we've got to reflect and think a little bit about what's the future of work. So in 13 years time, when they turn up for their first day of work, what will they be turning up for? Because when I started Stemets 10 years ago, and Stemets is 10 next year, 2023, but when I started 10 years ago, none of us knew there was going to be a pandemic or a lockdown or any of these things, right? Mm -hmm. None of us knew that billionaires were going to be really serious about this space race. None of us knew that, I mean, a couple of us knew that we wouldn't quite have driverless cars here yet, but you know, (laughs) like in 13 years time, what are we preparing them for? And so it's something I've got involved with via the Institute for the Future of Work, but I've got to consider this whole concept of what we're calling the fourth industrial revolution, which means that, you know, where it was steam before or the printing press or whatever, like now we've got another shift. We've got another change that's coming as a result of technology being used. Mm. Like, what does that mean in the workplace? So to give you an example from kind of previous industrial revolutions and like the changes that we've seen, I don't know if you knew, but there used to be people that worked in bowling alleys that put the pins back up when you struck the pins down. Yeah, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. And it's such a funny thing to consider, right? That there was a human being that would leave their house and they'd sit there while you were bowling and then they'd try and quickly put things up. And for us, it's bizarre because we've only ever seen a machine. I don't know if you've ever been to a bowling alley. No. Other than if you do it at home in the garden, of course, unless, you know, you're living that way and you've got a bowling alley in your garden. But it's so, how interesting that that person... and. The people that were born that did that as their job, if they were born now, that wouldn't even be an option. What are they doing now instead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's something for us to kind of consider and think about, but also that was someone's dream to make bowling alleys automatic, mm-hmm. right? That was someone, someone somewhere made that decision and that's now a reality to the point that it's a funny concept to think that someone could do that. And so as technologists, again, it's on us now that there are decisions that we're making that are then changing what happens next and changing the future. So if you want to be able to talk to inanimate objects, someone wanted that to be a thing. And now we are able to talk to Alexa, talk to Cortana. You know, there are other voice assistants available in the market. You're able to talk to these things. And so when we think about future of work, there's all these changes. Like what do people want in the workplace and what technology are they building? Mm -hmm. Who are those people that are making those decisions? And who are they building the technology for? So this is something that we look at a lot at the Institute for Future of Work. And there's like 
signs that you can see. So we don't know necessarily what's happened in 13 years, but there's certain algorithms you're seeing that are starting to creep in that people are using for recruiting purposes yeah. to like get the word out about jobs that they're using to make hiring decisions. Yeah. That, you know, there's algorithms that are reading people's facial expressions to see whether they are trustworthy or whether they are honest. And you as the person that's hiring, you're not going and checking what the algorithm's doing. You're just being given this list of red, 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 amber, and maybe green. And you're making those decisions where an algorithm has gone and said, trustworthy. And you have to ask yourself, how does the algorithm know what trustworthy is? You have to ask yourself, how does the algorithm know what trustworthy is, right? Because <laughs> mm. how do I know what trustworthy is? Yeah. And that algorithm's doing it billions of times a second because that's what technology is about, right? So there's things like that. Or another example we had from our paper a couple of years ago was an algorithm that was being used in a retail setting to help decide shifts, pay, and promotion of people in this in this retail setting. And the algorithm was taking in workplace chat. It was using facial recognition to know where people were on the shop floor and who they were talking to, how much time they were spending doing particular things, a little bit of sentiment analysis as well to know how they were feeling while they're in those places. And so they brought in this algorithm and initially the managers were like, great, I don't need to make these decisions. The computer says no or computer says yes, and I'm mm. going to carry on with it. And then after a while, they got to see that actually, you know, facial recognition, we've been here before. I'm sure you've had it mentioned on the podcast. It couldn't tell us apart. It couldn't tell me and you apart. <gasps> yeah. I, I mean, can't really struggles. be so surprised. You can't be surprised. <laughs> you shouldn't be surprised. Come on, we're just going to tell I'm you. disappointed. Like, yeah, we're disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. And it's an interesting... So if it can't tell us apart, how is it going to really allocate shifts in a way that makes sense? That doesn't mean that we're here, there and everywhere because it thinks we're the same person that has the time to be, you know? Or if it's um, an algorithm that's been um, built to optimize to paying people the least possible mm. in order to keep them in that position... When we already have a gender pay gap, when we already have an ethnicity pay gap, what do we think the algorithm is going to do for the pay of those people? Mm. Who do we think is going to lose out? Who do we think is not going to get the promotions that they need? And who is historically going to be in that situation where actually, yeah, the algorithm's right. This person's not going to fight for it because the job means so much more to them and all the other people that they support, whereas there are other people that it doesn't mean as much. And so they're willing to play the system, roll the dice. And so we're going to give them the promotions instead. You've not based it on output. You've not based it on fairness. And so there's all these things that we have to kind of consider and be really vigilant about, but be really aware of that this isn't just about the technology. This isn't just about technology companies doing something. But if you're that retail company, who is doing the checks and balances? Who's doing the audits? Who's thinking about the impacts of bringing these algorithms, who's thinking about, okay, when we go to version two, what are the tweaks and what do we need to do as an organization to counterbalance some of the risks and some of the unfairness, some of the inequalities, some of the other knock-on effects that are then coming in as a result of this technology. Mm. So that's kind of where I end, that's almost where I end the book, not to give it away too much, but that's almost where I end the book where, you know, if you're a lawyer, if you're working in retail, if you're a driver, if you're whatever you might be, this technology is not slowing down, it's not going anywhere. But what are the uh, rooms, tech rooms that you can be in? And what's the agency that you have to say, I'm not a technologist person, or I'm not technology, but I've got enough digital literacy to know that that's not right and that's not okay. And that contravenes what we've already said on this. Or that actually, why don't we have this instead? Because I understand enough about the tech to say, here's a nice mitigation or here's a nice way we can do it to mean that me and my workers and me and my colleagues are not going to be screwed over mm. by this overlord technology you're now bringing in where you're mm. like, oh, well, computer says are just going to pay you that. <laughs> computer says you're just going to have that shift. And it's like, mm, no. 
So that's like, that's just a little bit of a kind of a taste of why this is really important for everyone to be in touch with, even if you're not in technology. Mm. Yeah. Because there's nobody that this doesn't, that this, that is untouched by all of these changes. Absolutely not. And we're all seeing these changes happen so quickly. I think what's disempowering is the rapid pace of change mm. and also the, well, it's, it's not by accident that it's made to seem intimidating yeah, exactly. as women, as people yeah. of color, as, you know, so I think it's really important, like you said, to, to try and become aware. <laughs> to, um, buy the book. to buy the book. <laughs> to buy the to your book. friends. Come on, let's, let's get together. Let's, let's fight. Let's fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Have some sense of agency in these <laughs> yes. decisions that are being made. Like, yeah. Have some sense of control. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <I> love that. <laughs> no, there's so many like different areas to touch in terms of the future of work. Like one thing that really um, I was thinking about when I was reading Sapiens is just how fast paced we are um, mm. at the moment. And I was thinking about everyone blames like social media for us being like really anxious and depressed, but baby, look how fast we're moving at work. Mm. Like my mum did not have to be doing all this in her twenties, like mm. moving at such a rapid pace. And it'd be just so interesting on just how much that will affect our mental health if we carry on in such a way. Like, yeah, don't want to use the word, but you know, people are talking about quiet quitting. Oh, <laughs> Gen Z. Je- <laughs> I'm not I'm not involved <laughs> I'm not involved um, but it's just like we're seeing a movement of like quiet quitting where people are basically saying no to burnout mm. and the older generation just seem to be like obviously much more against it but it's interesting the fact that we just have complete different experience of just how fast paced the workplace actually is mm-hmm. and um, yeah it would be interesting to see whether we go more towards like a four day work week because we're super productive we're people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tell us yeah. the tea. So the Mets is part of, so there's a, it's a global pilot across lots of different um, countries. I think there's 65 or 70 odd companies in the UK that have been doing this since June, 2022. And then the pilot's up in December, 2022. And then we have to make the decision by January, 2023, whether we'll move to it. And we, we might do, we probably will. Um, but yeah, like for us, it's been really interesting. This is what I was talking about the automation where, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that, can be done a lot that can be automated right and I, and I think for me in my career it's definitely been and I hear stories of this all the time actually like knowing the technology and being digitally literate means that there are things that you can set up where it gets done without you being a part of it and you can either gain the time back in the Fridays off or you know get ahead because you've been able to almost seemingly, seemingly kind of flex time create time make up time on what yeah. you've been doing so i think for us um stemets is on a kind of role model employer journey on mm-hmm. at the moment so we've got um menopause and menstrual leave policy we've got a wellness action plans we've got four day work week we've got you know flexi working we're completely hybrid so we only need to be in twice a quarter rather than people having to be in however many days a week um, and so for us, it's been really, it's been a nice experiment to be able to do because it's nice to have Fridays off, but also to be like, okay, cool. Like there's a lot that needs to be done, but how else can it be done? Like, do you have to do that thing manually? Can you do 80% of that and still get the same results? Mm-hmm. Can we do, um, can you do it in 80% of the time and still get the same results? Like, is there a faster way for you to do it? Is there things actually we need to just change the workflow completely to allow you to do that? Are there things that were actually was nice around the edges, but actually there wasn't enough of a gain for the experience for our young people or experience for our partners. And so let's just edit that out and yeah. we just don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, or do we have admins that we support and we have more people that are part of, that get to share in the pie of, mm-hmm. you know, Stemet's work? Can we pay young people to also, you know, work in and be a part of what we're doing? So for us, it's been 
it's been a really interesting experience. And I think it's been um, fun to see actually who in the team has been able to like flip to using the tech more mm-hmm. and who has had to rely on workflows and the way that we do things um, to improve. But it's definitely doable. I mean, yeah. you know, Touchwood in the first, we're halfway through now and we've not seen that bigger dip. We've seen um, upticks in happiness. And we've actually seen people being able to say, yeah, actually, if I'm going to log on on the Friday, I'm doing it for this just to get that done. Yeah. And then I have it off next week. And then, you know, you kind of, yeah. you, so we've yeah. seen a lot of that um, kind of, yeah, there's progress. And maybe that is the future, right? Yeah, it's amazing. The future of work sounds bright. It's for us. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not with our trying. Yeah, no, we, we have to be intentional about it. Being Absolutely. Right. And that, yeah, and that Absolutely. is just the mess. Like, it's only 60 <laughs> odd. Can you imagine of all the companies in the country, it's only 60 odd or 70 odd that signed up for it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty mad. That's the tea. So, <laughs> something that we've been doing at work lately is trialing out GitHub Copilot and like being able to have kind of AI assisted writing code and like at first that was a really intimidating thing I don't know how you felt about it I literally downloaded it today it's so funny that you mentioned it I was just like you know because I was just scared that I'd lose my ability to code if someone was just like basically like predicting what I was going to write anyway Mm. um but today I was doing tests and I was like darling I'm not doing this alone (laughs) so I was like co-pilot let's get you booted up because we're not doing this alone get involved that's it it. it's like it's the bits around it's there's a there's a fear about losing control when you automate too much yeah but you can ultimately like now you've got more time to do the more interesting bits the more fun bits if you're Mm. able to yeah, that's true. And, tests and, and not all of it is automatable. I yes. think that's the other thing. Right? Yeah. There'll be autocorrect. I mean, you have this all, on autocorrect all the time, right? Yeah. You're always writing dark and that's not really what I'm trying to write. So <laughs> yeah. I think like, I think there's a, it's something there. And I, there's a phenomena, I forget what it is, but I mentioned it in the book of like, even autopilot on planes, like there's still an element of things that you still need to understand. There's still principles you'll still need to have. And there, there are a couple of crashes that have happened in airplanes because the autopilot has assumed one particular thing and the, the pilot hasn't, doesn't note from first principles and so hasn't been able to do it. So I think there's still like, there's still room and there's still space, but like you said, it's like being freed up to do some of the higher level thinking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the editing and, you know, maybe feeding into the algorithm at the bottom and creating better autocorrect. Mm. It is my favorite time of the episode. What's the tech tea? So what is the tech tea? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of tech tea. Today's tech tea um, is, yeah, I switch off. A lot. I I mean, some people call it digital detox. And I, I don't think I've done that since university, but I definitely have certain weekends, certain days where I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to log in. I'm going to leave my phone somewhere in the house and not not look at it. And I'm just going to live life as if mobile phones don't exist. I mean, the TV still, I guess, comes on. My, my gaming console sometimes comes out. Mm. But yeah, I do switch off. I am quite analog as well with my bullet journal. Um, But yeah, like not every day plugged in and switched on. Sometimes just relax you know love that black girls rest is something that we're very passionate about yeah aren't we jesse um no i genuinely think it's a really important thing because i think especially and we spoke about this before but just especially coming from someone who's achieved so much who has such an incredible career is involved in so many different projects to hear that you have rest that's like affirming for a lot of people i think um yeah so that's really cool we've also spoken before about the kind of the grind mindset on social media and you can't log on to tech Twitter on a weekend without seeing lots of people posting about their progress and and how that can make you feel as an individual. I'm not doing enough. I haven't done enough. 
Um, so yeah. Yeah, and having that guilt, you know, like not everyone, like I think that some people are perfectly comfortable doing their jobs and resting afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny that me and Jesse are talking about this because we <laughs> we are always doing stuff like outside of our roles, but it's just the, rea- the reality is just because you see these things doesn't mean that we don't sleep. Like mm, That's the thing. Yeah. And I think I, it's tough because I can't share that I'm not. And I'm like not online. Yeah. So that I don't, I don't, I get it, but I don't get it. So people always like, you know, I'm going to log off for a week now. Cause and I'm always like, no, don't do that. Just log off for the week and like go on with your life. Like we're fine. So I think that is something that folks need to remember is that what you've got online or what you've popped on Twitter or popped on social media, like you've come on to do that and to post it. And there will be other times when you're logged off and you're doing other things that aren't posted. Yeah. And so you have to remember that you're only seeing the parts of people's lives that they're posting. And I mean, I have this debate, I have not debate, but I have this, I have to remind friends of this every now and then, because there's certain people who seem to always be on Twitter and always be angry. And I'm like, you know, that person comes to vent on Twitter. They're not actually an angry person. Mm-hmm. They just vent on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like if you meet them, they're not angry and this is their outlet. So mm-hmm. when you, when you look at that, when you read that, understand that this is that person's outlet for their side projects. It doesn't mean that they're always doing side projects. It just means that when they are, this is where they come to post it. And I think there is something of like reclaiming what you put out. So again, in the book, I talk a little bit about working out loud and wanting to kind of have, be generous in your contributions that you make online. Mm -hmm. But I don't talk about, you know, followings on social media to like, I don't know, see the latest handbag or see someone's body or like, I don't follow celebs on Instagram. I'm following to learn. Like I'm really intentional about what I'm following, what I'm consuming, when I'm consuming Mm -hmm. it. And I think for all of us, I mean, there's a little bit of reclaiming there of like, don't just follow everything for follow's sake. Like, what are you following it for? What are you posting for? What are you sharing for? When you log on, like, what is it that you're looking to do and contribute? And you being in control of your online time and you being in control of your digital time, which I think, again, the more digitally literate you get, the more you understand, you know, they're only trying to get me to do this and, you know, trying to get you to stay on. And you're like, okay. I know what you're trying to do, but it's a no. Yeah. It's a no for me. Yeah, I'm going to put it in a darkened place because I don't want you to listen to my conversations I'm having when I'm not on the Instagram, right? Yeah. And I'm going to just live life and I'm going to, you know, look out a window or eat some food or spend some time with friends or just sleep because, yeah. you know, sleeping is also a really fun hobby. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I completely agree. And I feel like sometimes people sacrifice their sleep in order to be productive, but... The whole point is of yeah. resting. It's just like you're a lot more productive when you do rest. Mm. Um, and I think that sometimes it can be easy to miss that, especially if you come from a desperate place. Like I remember I was desperate to get my first tech job mm. and I would have sacrificed anything. Not okay, not that, not that far. But <laughs> but um, yeah, like sometimes I felt like, oh, I can't sleep or I can't go out or I can't do this until I reach this milestone and I get that goal. As long as that comes in cycles again. So like I definitely had that for the first, for maybe the second and the third year of Stamets. I was like, I'm not doing anything socially. I'm not going to anything. I'm just going to put my head down and do this. But I think I'm not doing that now. So I think it's also like there's seasons in life. There'll be some mm-hmm. times when you do need to do that. And maybe where rest is not necessarily always the top of, of I mean, still sleep, but you need to sleep <laughs> at night. Like, um, you know, that's important. But I think take it in cycles. Like sometimes, yeah, like when you need to get that first job, you, you want to give it everything you can so you know you gave everything that you can you got the most but you can't always constantly be it has to ebb and flow yeah 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 it has to be there has to be a rhythm to it right mm-hmm. so i think that's it it's not just you know sit down and expect everything to come to you because you're resting all the time in self-care like no there's product it's, <laughs> it's in the change right that mm-hmm. the productivity comes not mm-hmm. in the everything at high or everything at low so yeah. balance everything in moderation yes yeah <laughs>
Including moderation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, depends on what kind of moderation yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, amazing. <laughs> That's a whole other tech, tech tea for another episode. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Glowing in Tech podcast. It's been amazing to have you. Thanks for having me. And how can we keep up with you? Where can we follow you? Oh, um, I'm so she's in control. You can buy the book and that's got loads of details. Um, but I'm also at AMAPHADON on Twitter. And at not your average AMI on Instagram. Amazing. And I'm playing with TikTok. I'm experimenting with TikTok on at Headstamet. But don't expect any blockbusters or anything. <laughs> just doing do. your own research. I've got, got, got real work to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Happy on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. really Gen Z. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just watching from the sidelines, like the ante there in the corner, you know, kind of clapping for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for watching this week's episode of the Glowing in Tech podcast we hope that you enjoyed it so next week we have a special guest and to find out who that is follow us on socials at glowing in tech on instagram twitter and tiktok and also if you're listening on youtube be sure to like comment and subscribe if you're on spotify click on the bell so you can be notified every time we release a new episode and if you're on apple podcasts please leave us a review we'd love to hear your feedback and yeah see you next week It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com